Welcome to Scoop World Order. It is Monday night. We have a big show tonight talking a lot of recruiting. Uh, maybe a new leader in the clubhouse for the 2024 quarterback. A uh, lot of things breaking. The team is on spring break. Uh, and as soon as they get back, it is time to grind during spring ball. But we have a lot of stuff to talk about with Bill Green. We're going to take your questions, as always. And we are going to have a fantastic show. A lot of stuff to talk about. Bank always brings it. So we're going to get right into it. But first, as always, thank you guys for being a member of this. We just passed a new milestone of subscribers. So thank you. If you enjoy this content, please click subscribe. Click like. Comment. Who do you want the 2024 quarterback to be? Obviously, the Dylan Riola fiasco is over with and done. And we have about three guys that are in the mix to be the quarterback. Um, and also comment, how much you even care about recruiting with quarterbacks now with the transfer portal and with Ryan Day at the controls? I frankly don't care anymore because I think that he's always going to have a great quarterback ready to go. But I'd love your opinion on that. So leave that in the comments and also shout out where you guys are from. Love when you guys do that. You guys have been doing that a lot. Uh, we got a South Korea. So if you guys could beat South Korea, that'd be fantastic. We have guys all over the world watching the show. We appreciate every one of you. That being said, going to get in my friend, Bill the Bank Green. Bank, how are you tonight? Real good, man. How you doing? I'm doing good. So uh, you have, I know that the odds shift. Uh, it's almost like in, I wish that the Ohio sports books that are online now could shift the 2024 quarterback derby. Because uh, at this time last year, didn't have a guy committed. We got through spring ball. Dylan Rail was silently committed. Uh, and it was like holy matrimony. We are married. We are not talking to anybody. We're not dating anybody. And then all of a sudden, the divorce of the century happens. And Dylan Rail deletes everything off Twitter, leaves Ohio State kind of high and dry in the quarterback race because they cut off Jaden Davis. They weren't really recruiting anybody else. Um, where does it stand today? March 13th in the 2024 quarterback derby, who are some of the names and who's maybe the new potential leader uh, that, that you believe could be our quarterback in 2024's class? Yeah, I think there's three guys right now. And I think the same three have kind of been there for a while. Um, you know, you mentioned Jaden Davis. They obviously, you know, were headed toward a commitment with him. They were working toward that. And then Rayola kind of came out of nowhere to steal that spot from him. So then Ohio State kind of kicked Jaden Davis to the curb. He moved on, you know, not happily. And then Rayola was the guy until, you know, around Christmas time last year, Rayola was not the guy. He left the class. And, you know, it, it's been an uphill battle for Ohio State to try to get back in with Jaden Davis, kind of, you know, smooth feelings over uh some feathers were ruffled and you know that was nasty and so that what they're trying to do is you know trying to look at it from the aspect that this is business this isn't personal you know don't take it personal you know what i mean it's what's the best for you young man you know what i mean and you have to decide that so i i think they would take his commitment i think they'd like to have him and there's a lot of fences need mended there and they're trying but I don't think they're mended right now, and I don't know that they will be. We'll see. I mean, they're going to keep trying. Then there's Julian Sayan, who is committed to Bama, but I keep being told that the window's cracked there for Ohio State. There's a, there's a slight opening there. And, boy, you, you know, how long do you play with him? Do you keep trying to woo him, trying to get him on campus until you finally say, Oh my God, I've wasted six months with Julian saying, 
he tells me he's staying with Bama and now we got to take some three star out of Connaughton Valley or something. So, you know, that, that's the game they're playing right now. And then there's the guy that I think is the favorite in the clubhouse right now is Aaron Nolan out of Georgia. And um, he's a lefty, uh, you know, like we were talking about before, they averaged, you know, 90 points a game or whatever it was last year. It's crazy. Um, they like him, but yet he has not been offered. Jaden Davis has an offer. Julian Sayan has an offer. I think both of those kids could call Ohio State today and commit. And I think the commit would be taken. Um, with Air, Air has Air told me personally when I was in Florida about a month ago, um, he told me personally that Ohio State has told him if he will show up on his dime, they will offer him. He has to make the first move and show that he is very much interested in Ohio State. That visit is going to take place here in a couple of weeks. And I'm assuming, of, you know, if what he's been told is true, he's going to get an offer. Now, the interesting thing is Ohio State has some time leading up to that to, to kind of gauge where are we at with Sam, where are we at with Jaden Davis, you know, and, and what do we do if Air throws his hand up on that unofficial visit? They say, you have an offer, and he says, I'm in. What do they do, you know? My guess is what they're going to want to do is probably try to get him to take an official visit then in June by a little bit more time, you know, to see where you're at with Sane and Davis. And then, you know, if you do end up taking Aaron Nolan, I mean, he's a heck of a prospect. I mean, it's not, again, this is not a bad place to be in for Ohio State. Um, when I talked to Aaron a month ago, he also told me very, very interested in Clemson. And I think it was sort of the same deal. Show up, show us you love us, you know, you like us, you're interested, and we'll offer you. Clemson did offer last weekend. So we'll see what happens there. I think there's a lot of moving parts here, you know, for Ohio State. And the one thing to remember is so many of the past quarterbacks for Ohio State, you know, they didn't get them until late in the process. The first signing day is now in December. You know, they got – Kineholz last year, late in the process. They got Devin Brown the year before, late in the process. Heck, they got Justin Fields late in the process, very late. You know, it's a transfer in January or February, I believe. Uh, Dwayne Haskins they took in, my gosh, I think it was after first of the year when they got Dwayne Haskins. So, you know, this can go a long way. And, again, you know, not to panic with quarterback, with Ryan Day. You know, they're they're going to get somebody good. I can promise you that, you know, if they would somehow not get one of these three, they'll get somebody else. I mean, he'll go to somewhere else and get somebody to flip from a big time program. So, you know, we just never really need to worry about quarterback as long as Ryan Day is there and they have this high flying offense. They're going to get good quarterbacks all the time, as they have shown, you know, since Ryan Day has been there, never seen Ohio State play, you know, without a big time quarterback other than maybe year one when he had to play JT Barrett against his will, probably. But anyway, um, you know, I, I, the leader in the clubhouse right now, according to what I can see, is Aaron Nolan. And that could go quick. That could move forward pretty quickly once he visits. Yeah, I mean, he's a guy I, – I didn't you – know, I knew that he was heralded. He was from Jelani Thurman's high school, but – you know, yep. he was the state player of the year in the state of Georgia, which is a lot different than being the state player of the year in North Dakota or something. Like, Georgia's got 
monsters. And he was the player of the year there. Broke the the record for Georgia offense. They scored like 796 points in 15 games. So do the math. That's a lot of points. And, uh, you know, so he's, he's prolific. But, you know, it's... There, there's got to be something there that he doesn't have a an, an all capital offer, you know. Yeah. And they they still want him to come up here and see him and throw and you know. So obviously Ohio State they like the kid. They're not completely sold on the kid because he doesn't have a committable offer yet. But quarterback is like quarterback is like Russian roulette, man. Because if you offer a kid with the capital offer and they commit, then you're kind of you know here we are. You know you're you're kind of running to the altar with them and. And it's hard because the the process is so sped up to the point where you're taking commitments from sophomores because there's only one chair. There's only one, you play musical chairs and there's only one chair with the quarterback and maybe two at most, like when you have a Miller Stroud kind of class, but it's, it's tough. Cause you know, we jumped into bed with Dylan Rayola and we said, we're not going to talk to anybody. We're not going to talk to any 23s. We're not going to talk to any 24s. Then he says, I don't love you no more. And he ends up going to wherever he ends up and, um, I don't know. It's it's tough. I mean, it'll be interesting to see if this kid gets here. But again, like you said, under Ryan Day, I never sweat the quarterback position just because with the transfer portal and with especially with the receivers we're bringing in, like with JJ and potentially JoJo and Ennis and Tate and the Rogers brothers, like you've got like just monsters to throw to. And that's kind of half the battle when you're playing quarterback is just having guys that like to get open and Brian Hartline isn't going to throw the ball less, I promise you, as the offensive coordinator. It's not like we're going to become in, turn into to Perry running the wing T all of a sudden with Hartline as the coordinator. No, and it's, it, it's still Ryan Day's offense. Yes. You know, I, Ryan Hartline, you know, when Ryan Day wants Hartline's opinion, he'll tell him what it is. So, <laughs> and then with another thing about Aaron Nolan that I gathered when I spoke to him is he's really smart about recruiting and he knows that schools only take one quarterback generally so he's very cognizant of having a chair when the music stops so his process is very much speeded up he's not looking at himself as hey i'm terrell Pryor. i'll sign when i want to sign because everybody wants me that's not the way he's looking at it he's very realistic about how quarterback recruiting goes very mature so his process is speeded up. So I don't know that Ohio State will be able to delay him much, you know, it, when he shows up here in a couple of weeks because he's got Clemson in his back pocket. And I think Air wants to be committed soon. I don't think he wants to play the game. He he knows the game. And I think he knows how to play the game as a quarterback. So and, you know, it's, it's a lot different than DBs where school, schools will take four or five DBs in a class. Heartline will take four wide receivers in the class. Man, these schools only take one quarterback generally. So Ayers cognizant of that, and Ayers going to be looking for uh, – he's looking to call the control tower and get a landing here going real soon. Yeah, because if, if a school is taking a second quarterback, I'd be like, oh, snap, what did I do? Yeah, because like Justin Zwick, Justin Zwick, and they take – go ahead. When Ohio State took C.J. Stroud in December oh. – that told you everything you needed to know about how they saw Jack Milk. Yeah. It was yeah. like, we're taking a second quarterback. If you want to stay, you can stay. If if you're mad and you want to leave, you know, okay, okay, we're good. You know, yeah. whatever you want to do, fine. But we're taking C.J. Stroud. 
So yeah, yeah. it was like Zwick and Troy Smith. They added Troy like the last the day before signing day, and like, oh yeah, he's an athlete. Then he he shows up and he's in the quarterback room, and they're like, oh, he's not an athlete. Yeah. He's actually a quarterback. Like it's it is crazy. Uh, Nevada or excuse me, Bank. We've got recruiting of of other positions coming up you know running backs it looks like we're getting a kid from pickering to north um your thoughts on him uh as we as we get rolling into into camp season do you think and i i know your opinion on this but are we offering guys too early without seeing them in camp i feel like with urban you know we would have waited to see some of these guys work out and urban probably would have made some of these guys work out two three four or eight times before he'd actually pull the trigger and offer them but you know, we seem to be offering a lot of kids early that that really we haven't seen work out, you know, since November or October. Um, but w- what are your thoughts on kind of this new wave of how we do our recruiting and and are we going too early on some of these guys? Well, I think so, but they know more than I know. Um, I just know in the past, you know, with the early years of Ryan Day up to last year, and then the years of Urban. You know, I don't think they would take a Sam Williams Dixon in March when you've got Stacy Gage, the Marshall kid, the people's kid out there. You definitely want to take two running backs in this class. But I'd want to see if I could pull people's and Marshall. And and, and it's nothing against Sam Williams Dixon, who heck of a heck of a talent. But everybody there's a pecking order for everyone. And there's a there's a recruiting order for everyone and you know i think i would wait on him to kind of to see him in camp to see how much better he is i almost would almost want to wait and see two three four games of next year because the competition he's going to play next year is unlike where he has been you know what i mean he's going from single a ball to starting for the yankees next year so i'd want to see more out of i like what i see though i mean he's you know, it's probably nitpicking. And again, they know more than I know. And I know that, but you know, you asked me the question. So I gave you the answer. I, I had to camp and didn't get offered until December. So don't cry for me, Argentina, for some of these kids saying, no, I'm not respected or I, I didn't Please. get a Yeah. And, and Heartline was the same way. That's the thing I love about Heartline being on seven. He didn't get offered until he had, he had to camp five days in a row to, to get that offer. So, you know, if and someone's, he doesn't offer these type of kids. You know what I mean? Heartline goes coast to coast, nationwide, all big time guys. He's competing against Georgia, Bama, USC, Texas. He'll go anywhere to get his guy. Well, I think every position group should be recruited that way. I want the best of the best. I don't care where your address is. I mean, I think Urban showed that when his way of doing business compared to Trestle's, I think is more modern. Um, I wouldn't recruit off the addresses. I want the best I could get at every single position. And it's what they're doing quarterback. And it's what they're doing. Heartline does it wide receiver. Well, I'd want a heartline at every position on my coaching staff. And that's how I'd want to recruit every position. The way he does wide receivers. I think that's the way it needs to be done. Yeah, I, I agree. I I think that, yeah, especially this early man, it's like, you got to go after, the biggest fish possible. And if those fish get captured by Georgia or Bama or Clemson, then you got to move on to the medium sized fish. And then, you know, heaven forbid you get a bunch of small fish because the small fish aren't going to win the wars for you the way that the big fish do, you know? So that's kind of where I'm at. 
Good. Nobody's signing anything right now. You know what I mean? So if you don't take a kid today and he gets mad and he runs off and commits to Indiana or Michigan State, the odds are high that you can get back in on him later in the game and flip him. You know, Bama flips people all the time. You know what I mean? So it's what you do. I mean, it's big boy ball. It's the way I would do it. But Ryan Day, super successful, super smart. Um, he knows what he's doing. Bank, I got a great one from Sue who's on every one of our live episodes. Do you think J.J. Smith sticks? I do. I do, but I think he's going to take every visit known to man. I think he should take every visit. Um, I think he'll take all five officials. I think there's going to be a ton of drama. He's only got one official scheduled right now, and to no surprise, it's to Ohio State. Um, That's the only one. And then knowing the family like I do, um, I know his dad, I know his uncle, I know his cousin who just signed multi-million dollar deal. Gene, I'm so happy for him. Um, Knowing the family like I do, I I just think that they've done their homework and I think they're looking at this long-term. They want him to play in a big time offense. They want him coached up you know, by Brian, by Brian Hartline playing Ryan Day's offense, he's always going to have a quarterback there. And they're always going to play in an up-tempo, high-octane offense where he's going to catch 70, 80, 90 balls a year. I think it makes so much sense for J.J. to come to Ohio State. Um, he loves it. He loves Hartline. The family's totally sold on Ohio State and Hartline. They love Tony Alford, Ryan Day. I mean, it's just it makes so much sense to me that I do think um, – I think J.J. will sign with Ohio State. I have no reason to think he won't. There's no there's no consternation at all among the SFE people. You know, they, and they'll tell me, like, hey, you might want to watch out here. You know, when Carlton Davis was committed to Ohio State, they told me two weeks before signing day, there was zero chance Carlton Davis would come to Ohio State. And he was 100% committed in his eyes and – you know, his words, and they told me, oh, this is between Auburn and Miami. Ohio State's out of it. They know what they're talking about. And they they, yeah. they tell me there is no worry at all for J.J. and Ohio State. So I believe these guys. I J.J. is one of my favorite kids I've ever been around because he is – he's all business. This kid yes. is not a clown. He is not – you know, when he's not in the game, he's locked in. He's, you know, he's on the sideline, you know, playing – he was playing catch with air, and air – the one thing I will say about Air is he has a an absolute cannon of an arm because he they were playing catch and it wasn't like Air took a couple of throws to get loose. Like the first throw that he threw was an absolute. He's like, I mean, the guys looked around like, oh snap, he's not this. This is like soft toss warm up. It was like first throw. I'm going to throw it through your skull. And you know, and JJ just you know he catches everything with hands, no bobbles, just like, and and he's just he's like a he's like a, like a killer cyborg robot. Cause he doesn't, he doesn't celebrate after touchdowns. He just dunks on guys and goes on to the next play. And, and I, I and I, I talked to his dad for a long time when I was down in Naples and, and I talked to JJ, not, not, you know, JJ's not a real talkative kid, but I talked to him for a hot minute. I interviewed him and couldn't have been a nicer kid. Like he's a kid that he's all business. And I think that, you know, seeing what Gino went through, he just signed for a three year, $105 million deal when he was essentially like kind of a throw in, quarterback to replace Russell Wilson you know essentially he was like a guy that was going to be a holdover until they could draft somebody and then 
you know, he makes the Pro Bowl. He's leads the, the NFL in completion percentage and has a nice year. And now he's making $35 million a year for the next three years. And, you know, he's had a – I think that, you know, what Geno went through when he didn't get drafted in the first round and fired his agent on draft night and kind of all that craziness, it, it, it lends some perspective to what J.J. You know, is getting ready to go through over the next four years because he's going to be – you know, a sought after guy, he's going to go through the draft process and he's going to be, you know, a fantastic player, you know, barring any type of injury. So I, um, I think he's locked into Ohio state. I think that a guy like Brian Hartline, who's workmanlike and a guy who is tough, like Brian is, uh, is something that I think is appealing to JJ. And the fact that, you know, the offense that we run is, you know, it just turns out prolific receivers for the NFL that never hurts. You know, that's why, when some of these kids are kind of him hawing about becoming, you know, the the quarterback at Ohio State in twenty twenty four, I'm like, I don't know what you're waiting on because, like, if I'm one of these kids and I have an offer from Ohio State and I see that they've got Ennis and Tate and they've got Hartline calling the plays and Jelani Thurman and you know JJ Smith coming, like, I'm signing up for that that squad of skill guys like today because you know you're only as good as your infrastructure when you're a quarterback. You get a bunch of turd receivers and bad O line and you got to play in a tough conference, like you know. Come to Ohio State, you're playing in the Big Ten. You have better players than every team you go against, and you're going to put up big numbers. Like uh, C.J. Stroud today in online betting moved to be the number one overall pick. He's at minus 300, so he's 3-1 to one to be the, the first overall pick to Carolina now. So Ryan Day's got it going on. Justin Fields should have probably been the, the number two pick behind Trevor Lawrence a couple of years ago. So I don't know what you guys are waiting on to, to play quarterback and to play a skill guy position for Ryan Day, but it's – it's crazy right now. Um, yeah, like I, I, we got a ton of questions on here for you, Bank. Um, Bank, we always have an O-line recruiting question. How are you feeling as of today on the O-line recruiting? Just give me a quick little synopsis on that. And and are we done? Like, do you think that we're going to take five and you get the last two guys that we kind of see as, as low-hanging fruit? Well, they'll take five for sure, maybe six. Um, you've got Ian Moore in, Mark Nave in. The twins are in. That gives you four. So then Jordan Seaton, I think they're the favorite for five. And then go after a big time tackle. But I mean, you know, you're not really in on one right now. So it's kind of hard to get in on a big time tackle. And, you know, things are rolling here. You know, I don't know who that would be. So um, they're going to take five for sure. And if I had to guess, it would be Ian Moore, Mark Nave. The Armstrong twins and Jordan Seat. There's your five. Decent group. And you know, away you go. Yeah, I I think that's right. But man, you gotta take a swing at a national tackle. And if you gotta back up the NIL truck, you gotta do it. I and mean, that's what it costs to get these big time tackles now, because you see where the guys are going. They're going to the hurricanes and and Oregon and you know, you, you gotta back that truck up. So I get this question every podcast, even when you're not on bank. And I know the answer to it, but I'm going to ask you, uh, can we talk about Sammy Brown? And I don't think that there's anything to Sammy Brown at this point other than he's going to Clemson. But uh, is that your read on Sammy Brown at this current moment? Yeah, it is. Um, I don't see how you can get in on him when Clemson, Miami, Alabama, Georgia, they're going to be in his school every chance they get. And the point guy that you would want for Sammy Brown would be a great recruiter. 
and that's James Laurinaitis. It hasn't proven to be Jim Knowles, who is sitting on zero in linebacker recruiting now, and we're heading into his second class, you know, and hadn't gotten anyone yet. So I would want James Laurinaitis to do the recruiting of Sammy Brown, but it's hard to do it when James can't leave campus. And Clemson's going to send their people in there. Georgia's going to send their people. They're going to be in his high school so much. You're going to think they're students there or student teachers there. And, you know, James can't go. He can't be on the road. So I think you've, you're recruiting Sammy Brown, who's the number one linebacker in America. You're recruiting him with one hand tied behind your back. And I don't think that's the way to do it. You know, I mean, you're not going to beat Bama in Georgia with a when Sammy has to come see you. You can't go see him. I don't see how you get him. I would love to have him. I think he's super. I mean, Sammy Brown, is a, he's a dude. And you win national championships with dudes. So I would love to have Sammy Brown. Would love to recruit the heck out of Sammy Brown. But I just don't think you do it with Jim Knowles, who's I don't think is is not a great recruiter. I think James Laurinaitis potentially is a great recruiter. I see James Laurinaitis as the defensive Brian Hartline. Turn him loose. Let him go. I mean, I, you know James better than anyone. I mean, you know, am I wrong in my perception of how good James Laurinaitis can be as a recruiter? I I think James has no ceiling. I think he's got a higher ceiling than Brian Hartline. I've known James. He's been better than Brian Hartline at everything he's done. He's been a better college football player. He's a better pro football player, a better high school football player. Um, and same work ethic. He was a captain, three-time All-American. I, I love James. And I'm unapologetic about that. He knows I'm his biggest cheerleader. He appreciates I'm his biggest cheerleader. But he's he's a guy of all of my former teammates that I would say, Kirk, I'm going to put a gun to your head in 10 years, five years, Who's the guy that you think could be the next head coach at Ohio State? I'd say James, because I think that that's this kind of ceiling. Because I think that he's a really dynamic recruiter, um, and and again, I think it's a it's a crime against humanity right now that he's not a top ten coach at Ohio State because you need some young blood and some energy on that defensive front seven. Because you look at probably our two worst recruiters right now on the staff are Larry Johnson and Jim Knowles, just in terms of being able to get out and stretch your legs. Now, obviously, Larry Johnson has brought in more blue chip top guys yeah. from than anybody in history but you know he's almost 70 now so i mean you know again like you know the the Boses were 10 years ago you know nick and joey so and those guys were if i was the head coach at ohio state they were coming to ohio state the mom went to ohio state the uncle went to ohio state they loved the mom loved she's mrs buckeye so you know right. tra, jim trestle have got nick and joey both i know people don't believe that but i i know the mom really well i know nick and joey really well so those guys were like Ohio State kids. It wasn't like the the parents went to Florida State and then we magically yanked them out of South Florida. There was a good connection there. But I think that, you know, I was shocked that we so we extended Parker Fleming over two years because it seemed like the natural progression would be to put James wow. Laurinaitis in that spot and, and let him go hit the road and start recruiting after spring ball um, just because I'm worried about the linebacker room in a year or two. Cause you know, when you take, when you take a goose egg, you know, and, and it was the same with the running back room, like this year, the running back room is as loaded as we've ever had. But at the same token, after this year, you're losing Mayan Travion, who knows to the portal, if you lose prior or chip to the portal. Uh, so really all you have left is Dallin Hayden, you know, and then you don't have a freshman in the class other than yeah. the walk on from Maslin. So, 
you know, you're kind of up the creek. And then you look at our linebacker room and, you know, you'll have CJ Hicks, potentially Cody Simon. Uh, but, you know, you didn't get Tackett Curtis or you didn't get Troy Bowles or like a, a five-star Raekwon McMillan type stud to fill in and, and step in and be that next difference maker and play next to CJ Hicks. Because, you know, that's the thing is when you miss on an, an entire class, you know, a, a, you get a couple of transfers, man, and you're going to be up the creek. And, and it kind of... You know, it's showing it on the O-line right now because we've had so much attrition on the O-line. You know, the Harry Miller situation, you lose Paris early, you lose DeWand early, you lose Luke Whipler early. You know, I mean, nobody, going into last season, there were probably whispers that DeWand could potentially go pro. Nobody in the universe, I mean, the coaches were surprised. I wasn't surprised because I knew Luke was going pro by the middle of the season, but the coaches were all surprised that Luke went pro. And so all of a sudden you're shuffling guys around and, you lose Ryan Jacoby, you lose Max Ray. So, you know, you know Nick Petit Frere goes pro, pro a year early. So it kind of resets the room because all of a sudden you have all these tackles and now you don't have any tackles. So, you know, it's just part of the gig. And, you know, when you've got all these good tackles, sometimes kids that are big time tackles, four and five star kids, they look at that depth chart and they're like, well, I'm not going to start over Dewan in Paris. So why would I, why would I go there or Thayer or Nick Petit or whatever? So now it's, you know, it gets ugly in a hurry. Now we're putting Josh Fryer out at left tackle and we've got open auditions at right tackle. And, you know, we got to put it together with masking tape and duct tape to try and, you know, make the, make the O-line work and heaven forbid Josh Fryer gets hurt. And then, I mean, you're putting Zen and George Fitzpatrick out as your tackles with Tigra. And, you know, that's going to be where it's at. And, and I'm not saying those guys can't do it, but they're young, they're freshmen and true freshmen. So, I mean, you know, when you're wheeling out true freshmen and, and redshirt freshmen and redshirt sophomores that have never started games before, you know, it can be, you know, a little unnerving. I've been both a player who was that young and I've also coached guys that were that young. And I know that it takes a couple of years for those guys to get right, unless they're Paris Johnson. Like Paris is just a different beast because he's, you know, a top 10 pick. But most of the guys that you're coaching aren't top 10 picks, no matter where you're at. So, um, but it, yeah, it's going to be fascinating. Like I, I root for James more than anybody I when he got out of broadcasting I, I was like he's going to be a rock star head coach and as he's learning coaching the thing that where he could really be the biggest asset it's kind of like what Brian Hartline was before he really knew what he was doing as a coach is he was a great recruiter because he's yeah. got personality he's smart you know Brian's got that Miami you know crap going because you know, he played for the Dolphins for a few years so he kind of has that going with you know Ennis and, and JJ like he knows his way around down there a little bit so that doesn't hurt. Um, but yeah, Bank, were, were you surprised by some of the extensions and some of the, the coaching moves this offseason? Because I, I was really surprised, but you know, that's that's my opinion. I love your opinion on that. Yeah, I kind of thought they might be inclined to not go with a full-time special teams coach, you know, and kind of split it up the way a lot of staffs do. A lot of staffs don't have a dedicated special teams coach. I don't think Urban did, did he? He he, demo he demoted Kerry Combs the one year and made him a special teams coordinator, but that was when they made Chris Ash the full time yeah. secondary coach, and yeah. they de they yeah. demoted Kerry. But so I kind of thought that might happen, especially you had the two botched fake punts against Michigan. You had another botched fake punt against Georgia, and it's I thought that might be like this ain't good. You know what I mean? So, but. You know that I thought they might go that way, and then you know when they when they brought in James, you know it's like oh my God, what at, at what point do you make him a full time coach and get him out on the road? 
you know, because if you listed the Ohio State coaches strictly on their recruiting ability, top to bottom, Heartline would be at the top for sure. And then where would you slot James in? I mean, James, mm. he'd be up there pretty high, especially I'm saying if you could turn him loose. Say oh, the yeah. answer they had gone to that extra coach. They were talking about adding an extra coach on the road. Had they done that, and if James, you know, when the when it opens up and you you give him free reign, set him out on the road, where would he be in terms of recruiters, strictly recruiters on this staff? You got Hartline as a clear one. I don't know. James would be up there pretty high for me, and I've never seen him recruit anyone. But we both kind of feel the same way about James. I think he's the defensive Brian Hartline, and I think he'd be – I don't know, top three, top four, top five in your staff. I mean, you probably I, think he'd be higher. I mean, maybe he would be. I, I think he'd be too. I mean, I think that the kids, again, yeah, you think about the cat. The ca- I like Perry Iliano a lot. Yeah. Um, I think he's really special. But then, yeah. I mean, I like Tony Alford, but Tony's had some, you know, last year was not his fault. The Mark Fletcher thing was not his fault. And, and I think Tony's really good. But he's had some, you know, classes that weren't so stellar. So James, Har- I mean, James Laronitis would be in the top five for sure of your top recruiters. And recruiting is the lifeblood of your program. If he's a better recruiter than four, five, six, seven other guys, then he deserves to be on the road. Yeah, and I, mean, and I think, I mean, recruiting's it's that important to your program. Yeah, and and with James, with the attributes I know with James, work ethic A plus right. plus off the charts, right? Just a, just an absolute werewolf. Like the guy won't sleep. The guy will, you know. And, and plus, I always judge coaches by kind of the cachet that they bring when they walk into a building. So you know, I was recruited by Trestle. Obviously, after winning the national championship, he had high cachet. But Urban was like an even higher level of cachet. When Urban would walk into a high school in Ohio or in the South, you know, with the Florida Gator stuff and the Ohio state stuff, like that's like Mick Jagger walking into a high school, you know, there's that different level. And, and I was saying Brian Hartline and, 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 and James aren't anywhere near what peak urban was when, you know, it's like when Nick Saban walks into a high school or Kirby smart, like there's certain guys that you see them, you recognize them, you know, exactly who they are. And, you know, that's important. Cause you know, some of these kids that, you know, they, they, they know James's accolades. You know, he was an All-American, won the Buckus. He played in the league for 10 years. He's the all-time leading tackler for the for Los Angeles Rams. Like, great NFL career. Like, he's he is what these kids want to become. They want to become, you know, first-round picks. And they want to become big-time NFL players and get that $60 million extension like James got. So, you know, he, he's got that kind of cachet. They've heard of him. He's got kind of a funny last name. And, you know, but, but I think that... You know, see the thing I think people are missing is with James Laronitis, you can look at him and you could see that he is not 6'4, 230 pounds cut out of granite. You know, he looks like a normal dude. And then when you look at Brian Hartline, these kids look at Brian Hartline and they're not seeing Randy Moss, who will put in the tape and say, just do what I did. Well, they can't do that. They look at Hartline as the guy that had to be the smartest, the toughest. He had to run every route correctly. He had to catch every ball, you know? And so then J.J. Smith looks at that and sees 
well, I've got amazing talent. What I need is somebody to teach me the fine points of the game, the nuances of the game. I need a teacher, and Brian is certainly that. Brian didn't get by being able to run by people, jump over people, and make one-handed grabs. That wasn't Brian's strength. That's not what kept him in the league all those years. And it's the same thing with James. You know what I mean? James was not the fastest linebacker in the league, the biggest linebacker in the league. He had to be the smartest. He had to do everything right. So when you see this big-time superstar LB talent out there, and he can be coached by James, who's not going to put in the film and say, do it the way I did it. He's going to put in the film and say, I had to do it this way. I had to do this. I had to be smarter than everybody. I had to anticipate better than everyone. So, and that's the thing is, and when you describe James's work ethic, you know, and you try to fast forward it to him recruiting, the thing that people miss about Brian Hartline and is how hard he works. And the people, the coaches out there that I talk to, I mean, Hartline's at this from six in the morning until midnight every night. I mean, he grinds like crazy and it's not all, oh, he gets all the five stars and it's so easy for him. No, Brian is outworking people. And and I think the way you describe James from how you know him personally, I think it would be the same thing on the defensive side of the ball. And recruiting yeah. is not being the fastest talker, the smoothest dude, you know, it's not that at all. It's hard work, it's effort. It's sales is what it is. Mm-hmm. And that's why I just, Bo, I would love to see James out there, you know, full time, you know, give him his itinerary and turn him loose. Hit the road <laughs> and then call me in about three weeks and let me know where we're at. That's right. Get him the rental car in South Florida and in Georgia. Let him go drive around and see all these fast linebackers. And yeah, hey, we need, we need you. Come join us. Yeah. Yeah, I uh, I agree. Let's see if we have any final questions, and we'll we'll lock this thing up. But yeah, I, you know, I I love you know, it just it, it's hard when you see us get a goose egg at running back and a goose egg at linebacker because it's just like, you know, I, I don't know if that's ever happened. You you've been doing recruiting a lot longer than I have. I don't think we've ever. It's rare to get a goose egg at a position, but I mean, it, it won't hurt us at, at running back this year. But I mean, man, that's it's just strange to see that. Plus, you know, in Tony Alford's defense. Mark Fletcher got an amazing NIL offer from Miami. It just, it, it couldn't be refused. Okay. Tony, Tony didn't lose that one. They love Tony Alford. They see the opportunity to Ohio state, they, but man, cash is King. And <laughs> NIL, I mean, even the SFE guys who they, I mean, if you ask the SFE guys today, who's their favorite coach on the Ohio state staff, it's Tony Alford without question. They love Tony. Oh. And they were happy that Mark Fletcher was coming to play for Tony. But then, you know, John Ruiz stepped in. And then they were very happy that Mark Fletcher and his dad decided to take that that NIL deal from Miami. Because, man, it's, you know, he got paid like a second or third round NFL running back. I mean, he had to take it. He had to take that offer. So. It's Tony Alford's defense. He did a tremendous recruiting job on Mark Fletcher and circumstances dictated. He lost that one. It was John Ruiz (laughs) over Brian Schottenstein. It wasn't Miami over Tony Alford. 
Oh man, yeah. The, the the truck got backed up and they dumped out the money. Hey, that's welcome yeah. to modern college football, my man. And God so, bless him. Bless the kid. You know. Hey, I'm telling you, especially when you play running back, because that is oh, a self life is short. Yes, there's. You don't see the NFL free agency opened up today. And you didn't see a single running back get a contract. So that tells you all you need to know. Every other position, offensive tackles, receivers, they oh, signed yeah. today. Not a single running back. So yeah. that tells you all you need to know. Well, Bank, I appreciate it. This has been a great show. Uh, any parting uh, words as we wrap this thing up? No, just uh, keep an eye on uh, Aaron Nolan. And um, it'll get good when that visit takes place. And if Ohio State does offer him, does he try to commit on the spot and do they take it or do they try to put him off and he hears the music about to stop and he goes to Clemson. So that's it. Or does he go to Miami and take, you know, John Ruiz's money and room with Mark Fletcher or does he go to A&M? They want him. So there's a lot going, a lot of moving parts here right now, but my guess is that I I think Aaron Nolan's going to be their quarterback. And I think it's going to be soon. I think it's going to be real soon. He's looking for a seat. So, There you go. Oh, we got the receivers, man. So that'll be uh that'll be fascinating to watch. Well, as always, the bank brought it like he always does. Build the bank green, uh, only on buckeyescoop.com. If you guys enjoyed that, he has a notebook coming out in the next couple of days, uh, some of his recruiting stuff that he's been uh collecting. Also, big chat on Thursday, Build the Bank Greens, uh legendary chat is always a blast best day of the entire week on buckeyescoop.com is the bank chat so appreciate you guys all being in here uh click like if you enjoyed this video click subscribe uh click alert just so you can guys get the alerts for when we go live we appreciate you guys as always if you guys are uh following us on the podcast formats apple Podcasts, spotify whichever else you guys are looking at uh, leave us a five-star review. We would appreciate that. Those are huge for us to help grow the channel. So thank you guys as always. Again, you guys are the best. We appreciate all you guys. Shout out to Paul. I hope you feel better, my friend. Uh, I'm, I saw your uh, note on the surgery, so I hope you feel better, my dude. Uh, thank you guys, all of our regulars that are in here, Sue, the crew, all you guys. You guys are the best. We appreciate doing this with you guys every night. So I hope you guys have a fantastic rest of your night. So thank you as always, Buckeye Nation. Thank you, Scoop family. You guys need to subscribe to BuckeyeScoop.com because it is killer and the content is cranking right now. We're going to have another notebook, uh, another nugget coming out uh, probably the next day or two. Uh, We're getting some more information on the first two spring practices. So going to watch that and uh, evaluate some of the stuff that we saw and we're going to get it to you guys. So we appreciate you guys as always. So I will see you guys on BuckeyeScoop.com. I hope you guys have a great rest of your day. Go Bucks.